What's going on, y'all? I know it's been a minute. If I can ever um, get a schedule worked out here, it'll be more, maybe not more frequent, but it'll be on a better schedule when I release. Um, I got some really good advice from Charlie Robinson about publishing a podcast. He was like, put, you know, do five or six and just put them back. And that way you'll have them in the bank so you can just release them once a week or once a month, however often you want to do it. But, you know, that was after I'd already published the first two. So anyway, I work a full-time job and this is just kind of a vent thing for me so I can get stuff off my chest. But, you know, it wouldn't be bad if I could do this for a job, but it's been a while since I've been on here and I've, I've been just torturing myself trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about. You know, should I be just something recent? The election, of course, everybody in the world's talking about that. I still feel, and I don't think at this point anybody could convince me otherwise, that it was straight up stolen. If anybody's listened to the first two podcast I put out, then you know that's what I feel, and I, I just, I can't say anybody convincing me otherwise without stone cold hard proof at this point, and even if they showed me the breakdown of one of those machines, or all of those machines, the voting machines, the big D's, at this point, they've had time to go in there and fix it and cover up their tracks. If they've got good IT people, then they can do that. So there's no way at this point that I'll be convinced that it wasn't straight up stolen from Donald Trump because I know he's not a superhero, but I sincerely feel like the man tried to do what he said he would do. But it was him against the entire machine of DC POS's, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, it's crazy to think about one guy trying to go up against all the Democrats and all the Republicans. I mean, he had maybe 10% of the, of the elected officials in this country that actually had his back and wanted to do the kind of things that he wanted to do. And none of them are, you know, cocaine Mitch McConnell or Nancy Pelosi or anything like that. It's freshman senators and freshman representatives, you know, that don't have any power. They're not on any committees. Just And honestly, I don't know if I'll ever vote again. Because, I mean, the political machine in D.C., the quote-unquote Republicans that are, you know, supposed to be on the opposite side as the Democrats, just allowed it to happen. Nobody would even look at the votes or any of the cases. Nothing was dismissed on merit. It was all some bullshit legalese. Oh, you didn't do this right or, you know, 
you don't have standing or whatever. How does a state not have standing when the entire country was robbed? Anyway, that's not what I'm here to talk about today. What I want to talk about is a man named Yuri Bezmanov. Anybody that is into the kind of stuff that I'm into when it comes to conspiracies, conspiracy theories, whatever you want to call it, truth movement, whatever, should know who he is. But I've been looking and nobody that I've seen has done any sort of a podcast on him or anything. And it's 35 years old at this point. But the man is an is at least as much of an oracle as, um, oh shit, 1984, Orwell. He, I mean, he straight up in 1985 got on TV and did an interview and told exactly what is happening right now in this country. He said it was going to happen. Said it's how it was going to happen. He laid it all out. So, I'm going to talk about him for a little while. I'm not sure how long because I haven't really, I mean, I've I've known about him for a while. I don't know why nobody's talked about him for real. But, um, let's see here. Anyway, Yuri Bismanov was a KGB operative in Russia, and he defected to Canada in 1970. He uh, served the KGB primarily in India, where he spread Soviet propaganda and disinformation to the Western world. So he was working against us from India. He def and he was also he was a a journalist was his cover, and so he was he worked at a newspaper or something in Russia. And let's see, hang on one second. It was called the IPU or something. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, Yuri Bezmanov was born in Russia in 1939 in Midish, Midishki, Russia. Died in 1993 in Windsor, Canada. He worked for the KGB, RIA, Novosti, and the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. He was educated at the University of Toronto, St. George campus, Moscow State University, and Moscow State University. He was in the KGB from the mid 60s and throughout the 60s he served in the KGB in India and spread Soviet propaganda to the West okay so he defected to Canada in 1970 where he wrote several books and did a lecture circuit on the KGB and how it worked and how they were subverting Western culture to try to take over the world. <laughs> okay, so the dude had a crystal ball or the, you know, the Soviet Union dissolved in 88 and it's still working. I don't know if they're still doing it or if it just had such a hold in this country before it dissolved that it just kind of took over a life of itself a life of its own so his books books listed here are love letter to america black is beautiful communism is not the world thought police and no novosti is good uh, let's see no novosti is good news no novosti is good news so novosti must be news in uh russian so anyway he uh went on television in canada in 1985 after he had been doing a lecture circuit for several years looks like and um, he here's a quote from from that, and we'll st start with this quote, and then we'll get into how how it came about. Okay, on. On the video where he was doing the interview on television, his quote is, quote, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of at least three generations of American students. Without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism and American patriotism, the demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Now, this is in 1985, mind you. Most of it done by Americans to Americans, thanks to a lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A 
person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Even if I shower him with information, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he is going to receive a kick in his fat bottom. When the military boot crashes him, then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. Okay, and according to him, it only takes 25 years to actually demoralize a country. And um, also, according to him, there are only about 10 to 15% of the KGB was actually involved in like James Bond spy stuff. The rest of them were doing the same exact thing he was doing. Just, um, what do they call it? Uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. I'll get my shit together one of these days. Um, anyway, disinformation, you know, stuff like that. And he said you could do it all in four steps. There was a, Actually, all right, Bezmov explains in, an, in the interview that there are four steps to transform the thinking and behavior of an entire population. <laughs> Demoralization. This is a process, this is a quote. This is a process which can take about 15 to 30 years to perform a generation. During this stage, the moral fiber and integrity of the country is put into question thereby creating doubt in the minds of the people. To do so, manipulation of the media and academia is required to influence young people. As the younger generation embraces new values, such as Marxism-Leninism, the older generation slowly loses control simply through attrition. Again, true facts no longer matter during this stage, but rather creating perceptions are of paramount importance. So this is still going on, has been going on for at least, it was going on kind of behind the scenes just a little bit for probably the last 30 years, but since 2012, it, uh, it's been wide open since the Smith Modernization Act, which is what I talked about. In my very first podcast, I don't know that I published it though, so it may come up as the second one. Anyway, all right, so they're just straight propaganda now, the news media. They, I mean, a good example is the quote unquote riots in DC on the 6th. If that was a riot, then we've been at war in this country since the George Floyd situation. Because what's been going on for the whole year of 2020 was riots. What happened at the Capitol 
was 15 or 20, in my opinion, agents provocateur, getting people crunk up to do something, and you know a fool people, a, a few people acting a fool. They didn't burn nothing down. They took a lectern. Woo. Some guy posted up at Nancy Pelosi's desk. Well, idiot. Regardless, it wasn't a riot. And I don't know that any of those people were killed. I'm not convinced of it anyway. You know, there have been several cop suicides since the situation. And I'm thinking maybe they just weren't going along with the plan. Anyway, so that's the subversion. You know, they're they're telling basically if you are right of center in America right now, you're being labeled as a domestic terrorist. If you say you love America, you could be labeled as a domestic terrorist. If you've got a flag in your yard, don't be surprised if somebody shows up want to talk to you. Which is fucking crazy. This is America. Until this year, actually, until Barack Obama got into office, every person on the TV had a flag on their lapel, wanted to talk about how great this country was, and now you don't hear that, unless you're on, like, One American News, uh, Newsmax, maybe. Mainstream media, you're not going to hear somebody say that America's a great country anymore. Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, maybe. But I don't even listen to them anymore. I can't stand Fox News anymore, but Hannity's still cool. But, you know, I make my my opinions are my own. But, you know, anyway... <laughs> So the demoralization has been completed. I'm pretty sure that uh, that we've been demoralized for several years now. Step two is destabilization. The purpose of this step is to change the status quo, particularly the, the country's economy, foreign relations, and defense systems. The intent is to create a massive government permeating society and becoming intrusive into the lives of the citizens. This can take from two to five years to perform. Again, with the active support of ac academia pushing youth in this direction. Here, entitlements and benefits are promised to the populace to encourage their support. Basically, they are bribing the people to accept their programs. Okay, so what have we been going through for the past several months? Oh, we're going to give you this and we're going to give you that. Come on and get your vaccination. Fuck you. You know what I'm saying? They, they're giving us money. Man, please, where did you get that money from? I've been to work every day. Every day in 2020 I went to work. So that's my money. That they're giving away. If you've been working, it's your money. Granted, some people might need it. We didn't necessarily need it, but I mean, they sent it to us anyway, so I bought guns and ammo with mine. 
And that's probably what I'll do with it if they send me some more. <laughs> so they've they've already buying their way in. Uh, Besmanov claimed that after this stage is completed, the naive college professors are no longer needed, and since they will undoubtedly protest government policies when they discover the truth, they will be disposed of quickly. Examples are Nicaragua, Grenada, Afghanistan, Bangladesh. Russia, I'm sure, is an example. Germany, the brown shirts. They went through and cleared out all the riffraff and picked the Jews up and did all that. And they did all Hitler's dirty work. And then when all the dirty work was finished, the SS came in and cleaned all the brown shirts up. And, you know, they were they were thinking that they were going to have a spot at the table. Nope. Never going to happen, buddy. If you do somebody's dirty work for them, then you are expendable after dirty work is done. <clears throat> okay, after destabilization, you go into crisis. Wow. So, at the very best, this country is currently in the second state stage um i'm thinking we've moved into three so far crisis is a major step lasting up to six weeks and involves a revolution revolutionary change of power so what was the theft of the election donald trump was never going to let xi jinping come in here and take over or call in the u.n or anything like that and i have a sneaking suspicion that the reason why they're pushing this fucking capital right so hard is exactly so that they can call the blue hats in here. So, if you're listening to this, I hope you're armed and I hope you got supplies. Because I sincerely believe that at least the 75 million Trump voters will go to war if the blue hats come in here. The UN troops is who I'm talking about if you don't know. But anyway, so revolutionary change of power. This is where a cataclysmic event upsets and divides the country, thereby creating panic among the citizens. Recent examples... Uh, would include upheavals in the Middle East, Egypt and Libya right around 2010, 2011, something like that. He felt like American symptoms would include circumventing the Constitution and altering the checks and balances of government and possibly martial law. Jesus Christ. Okay, well... The revolutionary change of power at this point is questionable. But the rest of it we're already experiencing. Circumventing the Constitution, altering the checks and balances of government. What would that be? Uh, packing the Supreme Court, maybe, with leftist judges? Not Democrat judges, mind you. Leftists. Uh, we've been under medical martial law for the better part of a year. Democrats control all three houses or all three branches. All three houses, I guess. Anyway, 
So yeah, that's crisis. And number four is normalization. This will be the final stage where the populace finally acquiesces and begins to assimilate communism. This can take up to two decades to complete. So they're pushing UBI, pushing $2,000 a month for everybody until the pandemic is over. There's no pandemic going on, but okay. We can talk about that if you want to. But uh, Besmanov claimed the first step, demoralization, was completed well before his 1985 interview. I believe that. Uh, I'm reading from an article on uh, the Epoch Times. By the, No, this is not the Epoch Times. Hang on one second. This is Patch. But here's the Epoch Times. Uh, here's another quote from the video. And this is I'm reading from the Epoch Times. Actually, uh, let's see. Besmanov pointed out, quote, for the last 25 years, actually, it's overfulfilled because the demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Dropov, the KGB leader from 1967 to 1982, and all his experts would even dream of such a tremendous success. Let's see. Um... <laughs> But he said, um, it's the same pattern everywhere, those four steps. And uh, 35 years after the interview, Besmanov's chilling prophecy still sounds so relevant. According to annual polls by the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation, support for socialism and Marxism among young people in the United States is increasing steadily. Actually, that's happening in all Western countries. And it's because they feed them this bullshit narrative of, you know, the it's the same narrative that communists have always fed their their people. You know, to each, to each what is needed from each what is possible or whatever it is. You know, you contribute to society and you get what you need. That is a lie. And as long as people, look, on paper, as an idea, communism, socialism, they're, they're awesome. They're utopia. But as long as people are running the show, it's never going to work. That's why they had those bread lines and lines for everything in the Soviet Union back in the 80s. You know, it was on TV every night. And for all I know, that could be propaganda. But when I was a kid, I remember my grandfather was a daily, you know, World News Tonight. He had what he was going to watch World News Tonight. Period. No matter where he was at, he was going to watch it. But and they used to show it all the time. The the bread lines, people waiting in line for hours on end to get one roll of toilet paper or one loaf of bread or you know a couple eggs, whatever. And they're recent videos from Cuba showing the same thing. 
but they tell them like, you know, there's enough for everybody. We're going to take all the rich people's money and we're going to give it to you, you know, equal distribution of wealth and blah, 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 blah. And the only way to achieve equity is to bring everybody down to the same point. You can't bring people up and achieve equity because not everybody has the same work ethic. Not everybody has the same abilities. Not everybody has the same intelligence. And that's just life. I'm sorry for your luck. That's just the way it is. And, you know, but the leftists, AOC, freaking all of them, they're, you know, they're feeding these kids a line of bullshit. Bernie Sanders is one of the worst. You know, he knows better. And if you'll notice, you know, it used to be all the millionaires and billionaires. Now it's just billionaires because he's a millionaire. So he doesn't want to be, you know, he don't want to give his shit up. He wants to take everybody else's stuff. So, I mean, it's really frustrating that that it's being pushed on, the, on our young people in, you know, in all these universities that it costs forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year to go to. That's where you go to learn about communism. Really? From somebody that got their education for free because they lied and said they were Indian and now they get paid a half a million dollars a year to teach one class. Yeah. If you don't know who I'm talking about, you can find out. It's not hard. But uh, it, it's all through the education system. Here's says um, Ted Cruz once commented about the law school of a prestigious university he attended. Quote, there were more self-declared communists in the faculty than there were Republicans. If you ask them to vote on whether this nation should become a socialist nation, 80% of the faculty would vote yes. 10% would think that was too conservative. Wow. And this was when Ted Cruz was in law school. So he's, what, 50? So that was 25 years ago. 30 years ago. Um, but Besmanov warned us about this. And... I mean, you know, the long march into socialism is getting shorter by the day. Um, but our kids are indoctrinated with it, so we're going to have to, like, yank, yank all our kids out of public school or something. But, um, you know... I don't think they even require um, Animal Farm to be read anymore. Or 1984, for that matter, since how we're living through it right now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I had to read Animal Farm twice in high school, I think. Once my ninth grade year, and then once again when I was a senior. And the pigs are sleeping in the beds, people. 
If you've never read Animal Farm, you need to read it. Everybody should read it. It's, I mean, it's, it's how it happens, and it's what happens. The people at the top, people are greedy. That's just a fact of life. If you have something that you like, then you want more of it. Period. Whether it be physical sensations, you know, I mean, junkies didn't become junkies because they took a drug one time. Junkies are junkies because they took a drug one time and it was awesome and they took it again. And then it was almost as awesome that second time. So they was like, well, maybe I just need to take a little more. So the next time they took a little more. And over a period of years, months or years, they build up a tolerance and then it gets to a point where if they don't have, they have to have it just to feel normal. Okay, well that wasn't because they wanted to be a junkie. It was because they enjoyed to be high. They enjoyed being high and now they're addicted. And I guarantee you that no junkie sleeping in the street is happy. He definitely ain't happy if he ain't had a shot today. You know, I mean, if you get money, you want more because you like nice, you got nice stuff. You you made a little money, you bought you some nice shit. Now you need more money so you can buy some more nice shit. Or so you can buy nicer shit. You know, I mean it's just it's it's just the way our minds work. So, if the man in charge of handing out the bread looks back and there's only two or three loaves left and there's a line around the block, what's going to happen to that bread? That bread's going home with him or his bosses. If he can make it out of the building with it, it'll go to his house. If the boss comes down and says, hey, uh, I'm out of bread, I need that bread, then it's going to go home with him. And then if he's walking out with it and his boss says, hey, we ain't got no bread at the house, I need that, then it's going to go home with him on up to, up, up, up to whoever the boss, boss, boss is. So it's not going to be two or three loaves when he stops handing it out. It's going to be two or three hundred because he don't know which boss or who else is coming through that's going to take the bread or the toilet paper or the last couple pairs of shoes. And, you know, I'm, you've heard it said before, the problem with socialism is sooner or later you run out of everybody else's money. If you get what you need regardless, food, water, a house, some clothes, okay, if you're going to get that whether you work or not, then why work? Why go show out at work, you know, because you ain't going to get no raise. You're not going to get it. You ain't gonna get nothing except more shit to do if you go and show out 
and you get done in four hours of what they expected you to do in eight, then not only are they going to pile more on you, they're going to pile more on all your colleagues too because they're like, hey, look, if you if he, this man can do it, all y'all can do it. So don't come show out because then everybody going to be mad at you except for the motherfucking office counting, the, counting it. He's the only one that's going to be happy because then he's going to get a little bonus from Uncle Bob down the street that put him in his position anyway because you made him look good. So the greed of a person is what is wrong with communism and socialism. Communism works in a group of maybe up to 150 people. You got a small village. One guy got cows. One guy's got chickens. One guy's got, or you know, one family, one house, one household, however you want to look at it, one farm. One one guy's got a little furniture making shop. One guy, you know, fixes fixes appliances, whatever. You can all barter with each other in a system like that, in a system that small. That's why it's called communism, commune. If you've got a commune, then everybody pitches in, plants the garden, whatever, you know, raises the chickens, gathers the eggs, whatever. And you all live off the fruit of your labors, and that works in a small group with probably no no structure probably anarchism no no government the only, well maybe the only government they would have would be libertarian you know don't mess with me or my shit you do whatever you want to do in your house as long as you ain't hurting me or mine then it's all good and it would work if we broke up into little freedom communities is what they're calling them now But once you get to 350 million people, you know, I mean, China's still communist, but you know, they're, they're all in on this great reset. They've, they've got 20 cities pre-built, nobody living in them, high rises, air, houses, businesses, everything is already built, smart cities. And they plan on putting 350 million people into those cities over the next five to ten years. Okay, they're going to, mark my words, China will be starving to death in 25 years if they do this. Unless they take us over. Um, because they're going to take all their farmers and move them into cities, smart cities, so that they can be cogs in their little machines in the city building fucking iPhones or something and they think that they can put the farm workers out there running the farms they don't know shit except how to work on the farm they don't know you know actually this may not be a thing in China because I don't know that they have big industrial farms they just have you know, little villages and the villages, all the guys, all, they all got rice patties, so they all know how to do it. But 
in America, if Bill Gates has his way and he buys every fucking acre of cropland in this country, then we'll all starve to death because he don't know nothing about freaking farming. And that's what happened to the, the famine in Russia. They took all the farmland over and killed all the farmers or moved them into cities to make them build, you know, whatever, work in factories. And then they didn't know how to run a farm. So they didn't have any food. You know, there's, you got to be able to do this. You got to know when to do what and how to do it. Farming is more than just what Bloomberg said, you know, drop seed in the ground and come back in three months and chop the plant down. There's a little more to it than that. <clears throat> anyway, so Bezmanov, not only was he correct, but uh, I think we may be all the way into the fourth stage of this thing before the end of the year, 2021, maybe within the next 90 days or so. But anyway, most, you know, you can go to YouTube. There's, it's still on YouTube. The Besmanov video is, there's several on there actually, but the, the television interview is on there. It's just Yuri Besmanov, 1985. I'll probably pull it up. Let's see. Hang on, I'm just trying to see. I was trying to see if it would take me to it from the article I was looking at, but it came up on 404, so let's see. Uh, let's go to where I searched. Yeah, YouTube. Yeah, it's still on YouTube. Mr. Guns and Gears got it up. Way to stop socialism to make sure that your God-given constitutional rights. Are not so yeah, um, if you want to go go to YouTube and just type in Yuri Bezmenov probably, and it'll come up, and it'll uh, it's got like a Spanish. Subtitle it says subversion, subversion ideologica e marxismo cultural is the one that pulled up for me. But it's it's the video, it's about him, and then it goes into his interview. It's about an hour and a half long, but it's a very interesting view. Um. Actually, this one just got put up in sep on September the 2nd. So, anyway, that'll do it for this episode. If you're listening, thanks a lot. If you enjoyed it, tell somebody. 
Talk to y'all next time. Peace.